may you experience the peace of Christ today. As we remember, may his peace be yours. Have you ever noticed that Christmas is a time that tends to really magnify things? Um, if there's something good, the Christmas season uh, tends to magnify it. And we, we think back, we've got these great memories that we want to tell people. And when things go kind of off the rails, Christmas just seems to make it worse. And you say, really? You're going to do that at Christmas time? And we, you have those kind of moments. It's not just bad behavior, though. Christmas can also magnify those uh, uncomfortable, difficult times. What might be a little bit painful during the year uh, seems to be incredibly painful during Christmas time because we say, but not now, not in this. Next week, we're going to talk about something that most of us battle with to one degree or another. Um, we're going to talk about healing from shame. Many of us, we internalize uh, shame from something that we did. And when we, we look at that, you said, I did that bad thing, therefore I am bad. And we're going to look at what God has tried to get across to us. We're going to let that speak directly into our hearts and we're going to ask God to heal us from shame. And then week number three, which is after that November 25th Awesome Kids Week, December the 2nd, we're going to talk about labels and overcoming the labels that we have been given by ourselves and by other people. Let's be honest. Like as you go through life, most of us pick up labels. Uh, we, we get them. It's, it, you're sort of walking along and it seems to happen. They, they stick to us like dryer lint. Um, someone calls us something or, or we think of ourselves in a certain way and those labels, well, they limit us. And with God's help, we're going to overcome those labels. So that, that's our plan going forward. That's our pre-Christmas plan. But today I want to give you a glimpse into something uh, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's something that God has been working on in me, and well, honestly, he's not done working on it in me. He's been working to transform my heart by renewing my mind. Um, and, and I want to talk to you about overcoming offenses. How many of you know someone who can get easily offended, right? Raise your hand. If you know someone who's easily offended, if they knew that you were thinking of them and you just put your hand up right now, they would be so hurt. They, they, they would be offended, and they might even be a little bit outraged. Um, that's the way we sort of work. But how many of you on the other side, maybe without your hands, would say that you get offended sometimes more often than you should? You let something go inside. And honestly, it, it's been difficult for me to admit to sort of come clean on this sort of thing, but that's me for years and years. I recognized that I was allowing little things to sort of linger, and they weigh me down, and may, maybe it's just something insignificant, right? So imagine that I'm driving my car, and uh, I, I let someone in when it's not their turn, and uh, they don't give me the courtesy, obviously critical, thank you, wave or not even though it was clear that they did not deserve to come in, and they did not stop to acknowledge that I'm obviously a very righteous and godly person, I could have left them there for a long time waiting to turn. But no wave, no nod, and well, sometimes I get irritated by that, and I, I just want to be kind, right? I want to help them understand the absolutely critical nature of the essential thank you wave, or not. 
Little things like that get to me every once in a while. And maybe, maybe you text someone, right? And, and they slow respond, right? So they wait a day and you go, oh, 24-hour response now, am I? Is that what I am to you? And the worst is when you text them. And you can see it on the screen, right? The bubbles come up. You can see those three little bubbles and they're there. And you see the bubbles and then the bubbles disappear. No text. And you say, well, I sent you a message. You responded. You engaged with me and then you, you dumped me. You dumped me in that text. We started to have communication. I saw the bubbles. You were there and then you stopped. And I know some other people get offended by that sort of thing. But you know what? I don't even think about that kind of thing ever happening, ever. Um, I don't know if you're like this. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just need, you know, a little extra counseling or something. But in my life, I have gotten offended, right? There, I've said it. It's out in the open. And then the holidays come along, and you know how it is. That same person who's always late doesn't bring anything to eat. And they don't bring any food, but what do they bring? Tupperware, right? Why? Because even though they didn't bring something, they are planning on taking as much of it home as they can possibly bring. Who do you think you are? Maybe you don't have a person like that in your family. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're all in my family. You know what? That's not true at all. We, never, we don't have a problem like that at all. It's been so wonderful. We have so much. We just came back from a family uh, reunion and no lack of food. I'm just absorbing things from other people that I've met. But it's so easy in the holidays when someone uh, tells you something, you hear it in a different way, and you hear it as, I don't like the way you're raising your kids. You're doing it wrong. And you make that one comment about me and my kids, and it's game on, right? And I don't care if it's Christmas, baby. You just rolled the dice. You just crossed the line. So interesting how in the holidays, the littlest things can set us off in these big, big ways. And a time that is supposed to be Christ-honoring often becomes incredibly relationally destructive with the people that we're supposed to love the most. Now, I started with the, the little things, right? And though those are kind of little, and yet they're still annoying. They're real things. But the reality for many of us is that there are significant hurts and wounds that emerge, and they seem to rise at this time of year. Some of you will remember the betrayal. Someone treated you. They said it. They didn't do it. They lied about you. They, they, they misrepresented themselves in the way that it came out. And then life changed in that moment. Some of you have been abused. And you have to look into the eye of your abusers because it was a family member and they're coming over for dinner. Some of you have been in a situation where it's just very, very dysfunctional and that's been years and years and years. And the challenge is that so often when we are offended, the offense seeps deep into our heart and it overcomes us and it changes our attitudes. And all of a sudden, we'll have the entire Christmas dinner completely destroyed. There are those of you who have families that are divided. There, there are many of you who can track the friendships that ended. And I pray with all my heart that you don't go into this time to honor the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ and open gifts with a closed heart to someone that you are called to love. I hope that you don't celebrate the love of Christ while consciously hating someone that's very close to you. 
I pray that we never enjoy the grace of God that he gave to us without extending it to the people around us. And that's why in this pre-Christmas season, I want to talk to you about overcoming offenses before we're caught up in the full swing. Let's see if we can't sweep some of that out before the conflict happens. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to do this is I believe that God is and continuing to do a real work in my heart, changing me to help lead me to become more like Christ, to overcome my tendency to be quickly and easily offended and then to hold on to that offense. I'm going to give you a statement that I say to myself over and over again. And if there's only one thing that you can walk out today with remembering, I pray that it would be this, this message, this statement, or, or the way you recraft it to be yours so that it really fits you. Graham, your life is too short and your calling too great to live offended. Life is a mist. You know, it, it's here for a little while and then it's gone tomorrow. Life passes by so fast, and it freaks me out to watch my own kids as they're growing up and preparing to leave. And then you know that after one goes, it's boom, there's another one gone, and then boom, there's another one gone. And how did that happen? They were just babies yesterday. It's so fast. And my calling is so great. Guess what? So is yours. Every single one of you, guess what? We have been called by God to go out into this world and to tell the truth about Jesus, that the love of God is for every person. We are called to be the light of this world. We are called to be the salt of this earth. We reflect the love of Jesus when we come in contact with people. We are the hands and we are the feet of Jesus moving and walking right now. We display his love on this earth. We work in partnership with the Holy Spirit so that the world may know that God loves them. Life's too short. My calling is too great to be offended by something small. We've got to learn to get ready and let it go. Why? Life's too short. My calling's too great. Our calling is too great. And what we're talking about today is really applied wisdom. When faced with hardship, wisdom is what shows us the best way forward. Um, the wisest man who ever lived chronicled his, his wisdom down in a book. It was just a book full of Proverbs. Little mini life lessons, right? Complexity distilled down into bite-sized morsels. This is from Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. King Solomon wrote this. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. In another translation, it says, it is to their glory to overlook an offense. Now, what does it mean to overlook an offense? We need to recognize right up front that overlooking an offense is not the same. It is not the same as pretending that it didn't happen. It's not saying that what really happened didn't happen. It's overlooking in the sense that it already did happen. It's a conscious decision to let it go. In other words, it's a form of forgiveness. It's almost like an in-the-moment decision to forgive. This is the idea that Norm was speaking about so well earlier. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle choice. It's a real-time decision that says, I'm going to rise above this, and I'm going to choose in the moment not to let this get into my heart. 
<coughs> and what I like to think of it as, this is spiritual kung fu. We are learning how to uh, parry advances. So the English word that we use uh, overlook comes from two Hebrew words. And when together, those two Hebrew words mean to pass over. So just stop for a moment and think about the historical significance of that. It is to one's glory to pass on over an offense, to get above it in your heart, to rise above it spiritually, to get closer intentionally to God, to go eyes up, to be in earnest pursuit of God, so close to God that you're not going to be low enough to allow um, a, a meaningless offense to distract you from your calling that God gave. Have you ever heard of Reen Descartes or Rene Descartes? Uh, whenever he said this, whenever anyone has offended me, I try to raise my soul so high that the offense cannot reach it. Why? Because I have a conscious sense in my head that my life is too short and my calling is too great to be distracted from something so big. Now, we're only too aware that there are more than one size of offenses, right? They come in, in different packages, and let's wade in a little bit gently by starting with the smaller offenses. Then we're going to deal with some of the bigger offenses. But let's be honest. There are many of us who have deeper wounds that follow us around for years, maybe even for generations. The, the statement or the prayer that I put in the notes there is with what I want you to think of. With God's help, I'm getting over this. Try to say it out loud with me. Help me out here. With God's help, I'm getting over this. It's to your glory to overlook an offense. With God's help, I'm getting over this. With God's help, I'm getting over being easily offended. With God's help, I'm getting over minor offenses. The Apostle Paul, he knew all kinds of somethings about what it's like, in a very personal sense, to offend and to be offensive. He had all kinds of these experiences in a very, very public way. And so he wrote to his friends who lived in the city of Ephesus. And uh, this is, he's trying to tell them, this is what I'm learning to live out. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. <clears throat> what a great idea. What a great place to live. How many of you know somebody who's perfect? I don't. I'm not. I need space and I need grace. And if you want to grow in your faith and you want to be a vibrant part of into one, you have to honestly grapple with this first part. There are no perfect people here. Make allowances for the faults of the people around you because of your love. Now, have you ever heard of ouch or amen? This is a statement that kind of hits you between the eyes, right? Does it hurt or do I agree? Or do I agree, but it still kind of pokes me, right? So how about this, ouch or amen? We tend to judge others by their actions, but what do we do for ourselves? We tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. In other words... Yeah, you did it. <coughs> well, you know I didn't mean to, right? You know my heart. I wasn't thinking of it like that. You know my heart. You should give me the benefit of the doubt, right? Yet we're so quick to point the finger at someone else's actions that we forget that there's three fingers 
pointing back at us. We judge them by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Ouch or amen. So just imagine that you're a preacher person, okay? And you just finished preaching a message on lying. It was a pretty good message. You know, lies break relationships, lies dishonor God. It's really important stuff. So after you, have pre- you preached it, imagine that you got a call from your spouse. Get home fast. The company is here early. I need you to pick up a couple of things from the store. Get here fast. And just imagine that you feel that panic a little bit, right? It's okay because this is all hypothetical. It's not like anything like this has ever happened to anyone before, not me. Your fight through that traffic, and you may have pushed that yellow light just a little bit, and you make it to the grocery store, and as you pull up, you walk in, you see the glass, and through the glass, you can see that there are some people there from your church that you just preached to. And and, and, and you see them, and you think, if they see me, what do you think they're going to want to do? They're going to want to come over to talk to me. But your spouse is in panic mode. What do you do? What do you do? So you decide to pull out your phone and you put it up to your head, even though you're not on a call, right? And then it happens. Oh, no, incoming. I've been spotted. And they're coming over and they want a conversation. I've got to ramp this up. Now I've got to start the fake phone conversation. Well, that is terrible news, Sonia, um, she did what? Oh, my word. What about the wagon? And then you kind of turn to the people around you, and I say, I mean, you say, hey, sorry, phone now, right? And you're faking it right there in the middle of the grocery store, right there, doing a, right after doing a message on lying. Liar, liar, pants on fire can't talk, phone, right? And you're going to get away with it. It's all going so well when out of nowhere, your spouse calls you and the phone starts singing away. And you just preached your message all about lying. And now you're lying in front of everybody. Just imagine that you had done that. And then imagine that was probably about 17 years ago. And for some reason, you still remember it. But I believe in you. I would give you the benefit of the doubt, right? Your spouse was panicked. What were you going to do? They said, get home fast. You were just trying to help out the family. It's so easy to say, hey, give me the benefit of the doubt. But oftentimes, I don't want to give anybody else the benefit of the doubt. You said it. You did it. It's not right. It's not fair. We need to recognize that when somebody else has a bad day, when somebody else has a bad response or a late text response, when somebody else might seem uncaring or unfriendly or short or inattentive or lacking in empathy, their bad response is not all about you. It's not. Their bad day is not all about you. Their bad driving is not an attempt to offend and ruin your whole day. Their snarky remark is not about you. The fact that they walked by fast and they didn't even bother to say thank you, that's not about you. Their PMS 
is not about you unless you ask about it. Then it's all about you and it's all your fault, so don't ever ask. And that's a pro tip on marriage, okay? <laughs> what, what I'm learning is that whenever someone is short with me, I'm learning to ask myself, I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what happened. I wonder where they're hurting. I wonder what has gone wrong for them, either recently or in the past. What I'm trying to find is the attitude of Christ. Because in that moment, I have a conscious sense that I am in earnest pursuit of Christ. He's the model. My eyes are going up. I'm searching for Him. I want to find compassion for someone because I'm getting over being easily offended. How much time do we waste building a case against someone that's not even thinking about us? My life is too short. My calling is too great. With God's help, I'm going to make an allowance for other people's faults. Second thing is this. With God's help, I'm getting over the big offenses. I want to be gentle here because I know that there are some that might have real significant wounds that you're still healing from right now. And I know that for some of us, especially going into Christmas time, it stirs up the dust, the betrayals, the hurts, maybe the abuse, maybe the lies you've experienced or endured in your life. And I know this is very real. It is very ongoing. It's very hands-on. We've been hurt. And when we've been hurt, we have a choice. We can rehearse what happened. And that's what we often do. Well, well if she did, well, then he did. And then we got to go over and over in our minds. And it feeds the bitterness. And it feeds the anger. And it drives the dislike deep into our heart. We rehearse it. And with God's help, we can start to release it. As we rehearse it, we can start to ask for God's help piece by piece. We start to release it piece by piece. I'm passing over. I'm overcoming. It's to my glory to overlook an offense. The process of forgiveness, for most, it takes time and sometimes an enormous amount of time. But as we continue to seek God, to earnestly pursue Him, as we continue to press intentionally into Him, as we continue to pray, as we continue to seek out to do the right thing, His Spirit can actually start to change our hearts. He can replace our heart of stone or of rags and replace it with a heart of flesh or a healed heart. He transforms us by renewing our minds, but it doesn't happen against our wills. So Colossians 3.13, that same passage that was Norm's life verse, gets us straight into this insight about what this is actually going on. This is working out our partnership with God. We make allowances for each other's faults, and we forgive anyone who offends you. It's another ouch or amen, all right? Just in hearing that passage of Scripture, some of you, you're, you're thinking of somebody right now. A name and a story just came to your mind, flashed in there. What do we do with that? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you are free to forgive others. The Lord forgave me, so I'm called to forgive others. But how? How do you forgive somebody that seems unforgivable? 
How do you forgive something that's so wrong, so brutal, so horrific? And it's not just about how do we do it, how do we forgive that someone who hurt us, but you know that sometimes it's even more difficult, right, to forgive someone that hurt someone that we love. Oh, you mess with my kid? That's another story, right? You mess with my wife? Forget about it. How do we forgive? How do we forgive that? We forgive as we've been forgiven. How do you do it? What does that look like? We forgive as we've been forgiven. And I don't know about you. I can't speak for anyone else here, okay? But I've been forgiven of a lot. If you look at the accumulation of my vast years and all the times that I've let people down, all the times that I've been less than honest, all the people that I've hurt throughout the years, all the times that I've blatantly sinned against God and sinned against other people. I've been forgiven of a lot. How do I forgive that which seems unforgivable? I forgive in the same way that I've been forgiven. Freely I've been forgiven, and freely I am to forgive others. It's going to be a process. God, help me to forgive. God, change my heart. God, give me grace. God, give me grace for me, but grace to share. God, I'm going to choose to pray for this person even though I don't want to. I'm not rehearsing this. I'm releasing it. I'm not, I'm not rehearsing this anymore. I'm releasing it now because I'm getting over it. I'm getting over it. Over time, we're no longer going to say I'm getting over it, but because of God, I am over it. And you have. There are stories here that people could tell you of what that looks like. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm different. I'm no longer the same because of what God has done. I am over it. And this is what Joseph's story was when he was in Egypt. It's another amazing story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's a story of rising above betrayal. And when he had a vision to do great things, um, and, and, and he shared his vision with his family, what it meant, they were incredibly jealous of him and critical. And they took their little brother, and they threw him into a pit, and then they walked away. And then one of the brothers says, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's not just leave him there. Let's sell him. We might as well make some money off this, right? And so maybe the idea came because they could see a band of merchants, uh, slave traders that were coming across. So they pulled him out and they sold their brother, their own brother, their little brother in slavery. And then he goes and he's falsely accused while he's serving in Egypt to Potiphar. Potiphar is the Egyptian general that had bought him. And then he's thrown into prison. And when he's in prison, he serves there. And he continues to live with integrity. And he continues to use his amazing gift that God gave him to interpret dreams and to bring about spiritual influence. Because of that God-given gift, ironically, the same gift that he had and that he was trying to use that got him into the trouble with his family in the first place, ironically, that same gift moves him into a position years later that suddenly God uses him to interpret a dream from Pharaoh about a time of plenty and a time of want. And he says, you need to put some food aside because there's a drought coming and there's going to be starvation if you don't plan ahead. And he uses, Pharaoh uses Joseph's gift to prepare them for a time that could have been tragic for their nation and the surrounding nations. And years and years and years go by. And guess what happens? Joseph's brothers 
who think that he's dead and God, gone. They need some food. And what do they do? Well, they come to Pharaoh's palace. And they say, can we buy some bread? We need something to eat. My family, we got to feed them. And Joseph, he recognizes his brothers who betrayed him, who sold him into slavery. And if Joseph had done what many of us are doing right now, we rehearse it. We rehearse it. We plan, oh, one day, one day, just one day, you just wait and see. Then I'll give them a surprise. Happy birthday. Welcome here. I'm going to put you all to death for what you have done. If he had done that, it would be a much different story. If he had done that, I'm pretty sure there wouldn't be a story that we'd be reading about. But he chose by the grace of God not to rehearse it, but to release it. He broke down with significant emotion. And I, and I, I can't believe that you're here. I'm your brother. And suddenly their eyes are open, right? And they're terrified. They don't see a way out of this that doesn't end in them dying because they know what they did. They can't forget about it. No, 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 you don't understand. God used this. God used it. Then, then he said one of the lines that I've never forgotten. I just keep playing it over and over in my head. Year after year it comes up. I play it again and again. It's a phrase that reveals the incredible way that God weaves things together for those who work in partnership with him. What you meant for evil, God used for good. What you meant for evil, my God turned it around. My God rerouted it. My God used it. My God transformed it. My God, he made it into huge good, and, and, and I'm over it. I'm over it. That thing is now beneath me. It is, it is, uh, I'm not going to let it slow me down anymore, and I'm doing what God has called me to do. I'm so over the past. And there are those of you who I believe in the presence of God, he's going to do a healing work and you're no longer going to be under the curse of something that happened in your past. You're going to say, with God's help, I'm getting over it. With God's help, I'm getting over it. And then one day, one day with everything in you because of God's goodness, you're going to say, I am over it. Because of his grace, I've let it go. What used to hold me back and hold me down because of God's goodness, it actually made me stronger. What used to hurt me in the past has been conforming me into the likeness of Christ. I am even more like him today. What weighed me down for years no longer holds me down. Why? Because I'm over it. I'm over it and now I am free. As Jesus has forgiven me, so I forgive others. It is to your glory to overlook, to rise above, to not be held hostage by some offense. Do you recognize that God created you, that he has shaped you, that he has formed you, that he gave you gifts, and that he placed you strategically in this moment in history? Why? Because you are called and empowered to work in partnership with the one who holds all things in his hands. The one who bends history to his will. The one who transforms evil intent and evil action into beauty and into blessing. That's my God. Do you know him? Kind Father, I thank you. 
for the work that you have done for us, the work that you were doing in us, and the work that you will do in us. God, I pray for my friends that are here today, many of whom are agonizing in their offenses, things that are glaring, things that have been around for years. Holy Spirit, I pray for my friends that are gathered who are trying to release, who are trying to overlook, who are trying to move beyond and to experience the forgiveness that you offer. Empower them, I pray in Jesus' name, to leave behind that which holds them down, holds them back, I pray for the freedom that you promised. Life and life abundant. That was your promise to us. God, may they experience that as you help them, as they work, teach them that spiritual kung fu that enables us to move out of the way. Like Norm told me earlier, when he can start to see the rock rolling, I can't stop the rock from rolling. I've got to stop and change it right away because once it starts to roll, I can't do anything about it. I can't change the way other people are going to be. I can't change what they say to me. I can't change what they do, but I can always change the way that I respond and the way that I choose to release. God, I pray that you would give us today the gift of open hands. Our hands become open to you so that we might receive your grace. We might receive your forgiveness and in the same place. We can release those hurts, those offenders, those ones who have damaged us, that we can release them, that we might be able to experience freedom and not be bound by their past that interacted with my present. Holy Spirit, grant us the gift of forgiveness, the compulsion to be about it. The mental transformation to seek it. And then to lay hold of this gift that you offer. With your help, God, I am overcoming my offenses. I choose you as Lord of my life. Lead me in this way also that the world may know that you love me and you love them enough to die for us. Thanks for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.